is Nature News from RSPB Scotland. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Nature News from RSBB Scotland. I'm Stephen McGee. This is where we bring you stories about nature from global news to the little things we're noticing every day. And I'm Kate Kirkwood. There's never been a time when staying in touch with nature and acting to protect it has been more important. We are keen to hear your nature news, whether it's the little moments you've experienced or your thoughts on the big issues affecting the planet. You can contact us on Twitter at RSBB Scotland or you can email us at podcast.scotland at rsbb.org.uk. And please do subscribe and leave a review because it helps other folk find us in the podcast jungle. Hello again, we're in the park. Yes, and the sun's shining. Oh, is this, I mean, it is so, it, it, it's very lucky actually, because, really lucky. Because, because the theme of this episode is, is it spring yet, right? <laughs> today uh, it certainly is. And well, today is a perfect day to talk about this, because if you're out of the sun, it is Baltic. Yes, yeah, it's it definitely is, not, not warm. It is pretty nippy, but if you're in the sun, it is like a proper, like, sit out have your lunch in the park properly just to give you a visual image of uh, how things are right now i'm sitting on a bench basking a little bit like a lemur leg is crossed hands are up to the sky i'm enjoying the sunshine and warming up quite nicely wearing sunglasses and having taken your fleece off we we should say we're also joined by conservation officer scott shanks hello scott hello hiya um now we are kind of on your patch, really. Yeah, we should tell people that we're, we're in Kelvin Grove Park. We are. Um, in the west, the, the leafy west end of Glasgow, right? <laughs> it's nice. And it's a perfect day to see it. It's gorgeous. It's, it, yeah, I hear there's bumblebees flying today. First time I haven't seen any bumblebees yet, so really looking forward to having a wee explore later and uh, finding them. But it's it's lovely. This is this my lockdown a daily walk, kind of going past here, knowing the squirrels, passing by the same people. Mm-hmm checking out the, the chalk drawings on the, the park. It's a lovely place to, to come and visit. It's good. It is beautiful, and it's also nice to see a lot of people enjoying it today. Lovely and busy today. Yeah, it is indeed. Now, Nature News is in the name, so we will start with Nature News. Um, if if you've been across like any of RSPB Scotland's kind of social feeds over the last month, you will know that they have been dominated by one thing, and that is beavers. Um, we reintroduced a family of seven beavers to our Loch Lomond Reserve. They're part of a translocation programme uh, being run by Nature Scott on behalf of the Scottish Government, which involves moving beavers from areas where there's conflict between beavers and people into areas where hopefully there will not be conflict and those beavers can thrive. It was an incredibly exciting event. I have to say tempered slightly by the fact that it, it was a family, seven beavers, two adults, two like sub-adults essentially like adolescent mm-hmm. beavers um, and three kits now unfortunately since we reintroduced them two of the kits have died they were killed by otters which is something which does mm-hmm. happen i was looking into it but it is something that does happen occasionally that there's, there's there's records of predation in other places there's also when they did the beaver trial at mapdale there were instances of predation actually i think by pine martin mm-hmm. as well as other things so it's one of those things that can happen with the relocation obviously it's sad but as far as we're aware the rest of that family of beavers are you know as we go to press right getting on fine and the hope is that they will continue to thrive there 
and it's just very exciting. It is. It's such a good news story, and it is, as you say, tempered by the sadness of the loss of those two kits. But it is worth remembering that this has been a huge success so far, and I think it just shows to um, the hard work that's been put in by the teams that were involved in bringing the beavers to Loch Lomond, uh, and hopefully is showing the right direction of movement in attitudes towards beavers and when they do come into conflict conflict with humans. Um, other bit of exciting news is um, stay glued to your television screens folks because um, there is something coming, Wild Isles, a big BBC One natural history series presented by Sir David Attenborough, uh, RSPB and other uh, wildlife organisations have been involved actually in the production of it which is really exciting. It's going to highlight uh, Primarily, it's going to highlight a lot of things that are great about British nature and things you can see, but also hopefully help people to understand some of the challenges that uh, nature and wildlife face as well. Oh, honestly, I cannot wait. I'm so excited. <laughs> From the, 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 the little clips that I've seen so far, um, yeah, oh, it's, it's absolutely... Just, I, I'm a... I'm lost for words. No, I am an avid watcher of nature documentaries. I have been watching them since I was sort of before I could probably walk um, and uh, have a real kind of personal affinity to them. But uh, it's going to be absolutely stunning. There's some amazing camera work, amazing techniques of filming that have been used that if you're geeky, super, super <laughs> cool. Um, but uh, just some really exciting stories being told. Yeah. So I, and I, I think one of the things that's interesting to me is that I, I also grew up watching natural mm. history programmes, right? And you watch all these programmes about, you know, the Serengeti or, or like, you know, the boreal forests of British Columbia or, you know, with grizzly bears in them and stuff. And you can sometimes forget that actually, in, in terms of spectacle, we're pretty well off in Scotland, right? Exactly. I mean, it, yeah, you, you definitely don't need to focus on polar bears and, you know, like sort of blue whales gorgeous as they are like there's there's amazing kind of like sort of a you know sort of blue planet types of shots but focusing on like our actual wildlife and the amazing species that we've got yeah really looking forward to it it's going to be amazing it's going to be so good definitely now podcast isn't just about big nature news it's about our nature news as well um i am going to start off i have uh unfortunately i got covid uh, so it was a bit my ability to go further afield was a bit constrained but once I was better and testing clear obviously <laughs> um, I was able to get out and about in the neighbourhood a bit and I have been spending a bit of time going to ponds mm. right so, so there is a there's a kind of like a an old boating pond near me and also I was in the botanics for a wee wander and they've got like a lovely wee uh, pond there as well and really enjoying just what you call like normal pond type birds that you get here right so been like watching, you've been watching the ducks I, i've been watching ducks i've been watching ducks <laughs> and and um the the pond near me had about 15 or 20 tufted ducks in it that at this time of year like the males in particular look amazing you know they're in their you know smartest plumage getting ready for the breeding season that the actual tuft that they're named after you can really see it and the black and the white and the contrast but also just like at the botanics we were lucky we were there there was a kingfisher Oh, the botanics, yeah, so the kingfisher, the botanics, which to be fair is the most photographed kingfisher in the way, so <laughs> but, but we did still see it, and like stuff, teal and all these mm. kind of things, just and and you know, just really appreciating ponds, yeah, they're awesome, ponds yeah, are good, ponds are awesome, ponds right? Are good. Underrated, they what about good. you, Kate? Do you know what? Considering the theme of this podcast, I'm really struggling to like find one particular thing, and um, just I suppose the the 
the sense of things beginning to reawaken. That is what I have been noticing recently. Nothing specific. I mean, I could list off lots of different things, which we'll talk about later. Um, but yeah, there's been some absolutely really, really strong signs of spring. Um, and I kind of like it when we get these beautiful sunny days interspersed with a little bit of a reminder that we're still in winter. We're not quite there yet. And um, so I'm enjoying that contrast at the moment. Cool. Scott? Oh, well, I, yeah, to totally agree. Like, so much stuff kind of happening and kicking off at the moment. Spring is one of my favourite times. Everything just kind of kicking off. But the thing that I've been looking forward to the most and finally saw this week was an actual dandelion in front. You might think, a dandelion, a dandelion? What are you talking about? Like, they're everywhere. I got uh, I'm a massive geek. Uh, hands up, I'm a massive geek. I, we well, can my, confirm that yeah, Scott yeah. is a massive You will find out more oh, in the absolutely. podcast later on. <laughs> how much, but, yeah. but we, we love geeks in a good on the way. podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yay. Uh, one of the best things I got for Christmas was a book on dandelions. The whole 240 different species of There's dandelions. 240 species yes, of dandelions. Amazing, amazing. In the uh, UK? There are, there are. And, and others uh, further afield. Um, and so I've been desperate to try out my book and find out what types of dandelions I've got next to me. And I finally got one with all the features that I could <gasps> like have a good look at. And finally did, did my first ID. So yeah, uh, dandelions. What and I, of, I love them. What type of dandelion? You know it? what? It, it, I don't think it's got a common name, but it's called Taraxacum pseudohamata. It's, mm. it's super, super common. Yeah, I've been massively geeking and, and searching everywhere for like a flowering uh, dandelion. Oh, well finally, done. finally. <laughs> So Scott, what are we going to, what are we doing? These are south-facing slopes in Kelvin Grove Park. Probably planted quite a, quite a few years back, so now, with a whole range of lovely dark purple, mauve, white, kind of goldy yellow kind of crocuses. But generally the crocuses are, are what I'm looking for early in the, the spring. And it's really the first place in Glasgow where I kind of see bumblebees each year. So this is a slope. Mm that is kind of south-facing, I guess. It so, is, yeah, yeah. yes. So the, the Clyde's, Clyde's uh, so it's facing down towards the Clyde. We're in the kind of north side of the, the river. And this is a lovely, full blasting sunshine. So the uh, the heat on, on the slope warms up the crocuses. They get going a bit faster, but it's also it's great for those early emerged queen bumblebees that are coming out at this time of year. So. They've been hibernating somewhere like fairly cold, fairly kind of like sort of shady for most of the winter. They don't want to wake up kind of mid mid winter, so they're they're kind of in shady stuff. But once the temperature starts to air temperature starts to stabilise and come up, you know, close to ten degrees, yeah, they'll come out and they'll have a a, a little wander around, but basking, uh, having a little bit of food, so tons of pollen in a uh, crocuses good bit of nectar as well so that kind of carb carb hits bit of protein um, as well and plenty of place where they can just sunbathe so once once they've like eaten some stuff allowing uh, raising the body temperature getting the metabolism set going and allowing them to, to do it so they'll do this for a while and once they've kind of like so replenished all that winter fat because hibernation like i mean it's, it's such an energy kind of a uh, sort of draining oh, thing right. so it soaks up all the yeah yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, so, yeah. so they, i mean they spend, they spend the, the kind of autumn like scoffing and lying on like thistles and, and eating all the amazing stuff one of the things Kate, that we picked up going along from people right mm -hmm. is try to think like an animal right yes. like and i don't really know that much about bumblebees but if i was a bumblebee that that lovely sun-kissed bank full of that's where i would be right absolutely like it's 
south facing, even just standing slightly in the lee of some of the trees, it's quite warm and sunny and it's brightly coloured as well. I think that's the thing when you're thinking about pollinators, the bright colours, um, because they also, they also see beyond our uh, vis visible light spectrum as well. Yeah, so, so there's UV, yeah. And UV and Is it UV or is it infrared or what they see? Yeah, so so they, they can see further into the UV kind right. of yeah. spectrum as well. But you know what? It's not just for the pollinators because crocuses, like, it's gorgeous. You see the number of people who just stop, stop and they're standing kind yeah. of sit here. My heart just kind of like, you know, sort of swells with kind of, sort of joy whenever I sort of see it. And it's something that I've tried to do in little local spaces near mm. me, like try and replicate something as gorgeous as this. Yeah, yeah I can see why. Right, we've given it big licks. Yeah. Well, let's go and have a look and see if there's actually anything there. <laughs> Yeah, it is. So, little uh, Bombus Praetorum, the early bumblebee queen. And <laughs> I think I see its name found early. But these are this is our smallest uh, bumblebee queen. She's probably about the size of like a you know kind of worker of other sort of species. Super cute little um, red bum, a lovely kind of, sort of bright yellow co uh, collar and a kind of yellow band kind of like sort of around her waist. And yeah, she's just kind of like sit, so, sit, sitting there in the bank, kind of basking in the sunshine. Yeah, so just for folk, listen, like she's she was having a bit of a fly about and now she's busying herself in the grass. Now, as somebody who doesn't know a lot about bees, right, I would think, why is that bee cutting about in the grass as opposed to yeah. all these lovely flowers that are here? What's she doing? So actually, at the moment, it's, it's kind of interesting. It's quite quite early on, but she actually looks like she's maybe looking for a nest site. So she's, there's a little tuft of grass there with kind of bare soil behind it and possibly a little hole. So there might actually be, I don't know whether there might have been a vole, a vole hole oh, right, okay. <laughs> in there, right. which they are, they're, what's one of the things that they're kind of like attracted to yeah. is that smell of rodent urine. Oh, really? And a and because you know if, if a little vole's lived in there, it's mm -hmm. going to be a nice cosy little bed. It might have some like bedding. Yeah, she's actually disappeared. She's disappeared. She's disappeared. So just oh, she, no, she's oh, just no, she's, there. She is still there. You know what? She's she's actually lying on the the a dried bit of grass at the moment. So it could just be grabbing that heat. It's a bit warmer. It's, 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 a bit it's warming drier. up. It's it seems like she, they are early, and I mean they're one of the species that will have two broods uh, say, during the year. So you know they, they a lot of the others won't produce queens and a new set of drones until like July, August, or something. Um, early bumblebees like Praetorum, like maybe April they could like sort of have like a new a new generation of queens. So they've got a whole time. So getting going early is is possibly one of the things to do. But yeah, I, I think she's. She's yeah feeding up on some of the crocus uh, nectar and pollen. Oh Ooh, yeah, and a nice big. Oh, queen. That's, that's muckle. <laughs> What's that? I think was that a red tail. I think it was a, a red tail queen. Like kind of said, took off. He's, he's looking at us. Kate. Yeah, I knew he's, he's looking at me like I knew what I'm looking at. No, it, it was quite large. It, it was, was big. A oh tree bumblebee. Tree Why? bumblebee. So what's that? Yes, we've got a tree bumblebee queen, one of a Scotland's most recent a bumblebee kind of arrivals. 2012, I think, was the first time that they found it, were found in Scotland, and I think I saw one for the first time, God, maybe 2013 or something, and instantly got stung by a queen, <laughs> which is like, I was so excited to see when I tried to catch it. Oh, what an idiot. Um, but uh, these are now one of the most common uh, bumblebees. It's a gorgeous, kind of like, sort of gingery brown uh, sort of thorax body, black band on its kind of like sort of abdomen and a lovely I was kind of white say, tail. The thing that's really noticeable to me about that is like how much, how dark it is and yeah. how much actual genuine black there is, not not like stripes but like no, no, solid no. black in the middle. Yeah. So it's fuzzy ginger kind of back sort of top, like you were saying the thorax is kind of that fuzzy ginger colour. Yeah. 
But um, but yeah, that, that kind of sort of triple colour, that ginger, a black, white, is such a distinctive and easy characteristic. There's not the, some of the other kind of bumblebees harder to kind of see. So Scott, just as she moved there, mm -hmm. managed to pick up a wee bit of like oh. the the, bum, the the buzz, right? Yeah. Which is what kind of it's the defining characteristic of a bumblebee to, to it, most it, people. It, isn't they, it? That kind of lovely hum eh, is is kind of so gorgeous. They're kind of like bumbling around. Like I think they've got just like bumble is just such a fantastic kind of so cute cutesy sort of name, and quite often they do this time of year. You know, they're kind of sort of crashing into sort of dandelions. They're a eh, they're covered in pollen. They're into some a eh, in, into sort of crocus, and kind of like so you know just bumbling around and they're so gorgeous and it's it's just. Instantly, spring is here um, when you're seeing bumblebees. Bufftail bumblebee queen is a Bombus terrestris, probably generally uh, the first one that I see each year and really kind of abundant kind of in, in kind of urban spaces. So, yeah, she's kind of like sort of slowly kind of hovering above kind of uh, crocuses and then she just kind of plunges kind of sort of in. She's all completely covered in. Like little lovely shiny and she's bits got of some pollen. Nice bits of pollen. Do they have pollen baskets, or do they just? She does yes. So, so she's just what she's doing. She's grooming it all off herself, and she'll be popping it into her pollen baskets. Well, you know what? She's Maybe? she's it's probably too early for her to be collecting uh, pollen. And she's gone. She's yeah. gone. Oh, what a shame. Um, what were we saying there? No, it's just like seeing her up close. Oh, yeah, yeah, she was so she she between her arriving here and her leaving, she just got completely covered in she, pollen. She totally did. So it, it, this this time of year, it's all about them scoffing and replenishing their their foodstuffs, and they won't bother generally collecting stuff on their their pollen baskets. So. If, as soon as the, you start seeing them with kind of pollen on the pollen baskets, that's them. I've got a nest, and, ah, and, and, okay. and nesting season has begun. So there's, there's baby bumblebees to be fed, kind of like somewhere. But at this time of year, I think it's all about, you know, their time, kind of scoffing, eating delicious nectary, kind of goodness, basking in the sunshine, taking a bit of a rest before the hard work begins. It's it's bee me time. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, it's good. I'm sorry. Right, we're going to stop wandering around these crocuses now. Um, obviously, like it's brilliant to not just to see some bees, but to see some bees in the company of somebody who knows a ton about bees. So that that is amazing. But spring is not just about invertebrates. No, there's no, other things. All kinds of stuff going on, and obviously, birds are starting to change their behaviour this time of year as well. So um, I went out for a little wander yesterday just out the back of my house in the wee lane that goes down the railway yard which is always a good place for picking up some urban birds just to focus on what I could hear morning it's about eight o'clock it is the 21st of February and I thought I'd come out uh, just literally around the back of my house and have a little listen for what you can hear at this time of year now it is very definitely not the full-on chorus as yet, but there's loads about. Um, those of you who've watched stuff on the YouTube channel may well know that I have been 
trying to learn a bit more about birdsong and feel my way with it with the help of colleagues at RSPB. So uh, I am still, how shall we say, on that journey of knowledge. <laughs> so we'll see how I get on. Um, but I'm going to have a little pot around, record what I can hear, pick out some things that hopefully I recognise and maybe pick out a couple of things to put Scott on the spot about and see if he can tell me what they are. Right, I've done a wee bit of recording. Let's start actually with things that are not song as such, but certainly sounds. Uh, there was quite an entertaining episode uh, where there was a full and frank discussion between a carrion crow. over who was going to get to sit up on the tallest chimney uh, in the houses around the side of the wheel uh, That was extremely noisy. Uh, carrying Crow 1, incidentally. Uh, other sound I was quite pleased to get, like when a wood pigeon takes off and does the little clap-clap display flight. So it does that by, like, clapping its wings together. And that's, that's just a really... I, it's nice to hear it in town, but that's kind of like... That's a sound that, for me, is like winter stubble fields or something. But there it is, around the back of my house. And the other one that you wouldn't really call song, but there was a lot of, is like house sparrows. Like, they're so noisy and so chatty. Uh, that's not seasonal, that's just them, like, constantly contact calling to each other, I guess. Still nice to hear. Right, let's move on to song. The one I was hoping to get today, and did get, was Robin. Pretty much any morning in the year, to be fair, you could hear a robin singing around here. It's just so beautiful though, that kind of golden, kind of liquid kind of tone to it. And very, very musical. Yeah, and just something that's great to go out in here um, and see what Scott thinks. My, my impression is that there's there's more Robin singing, now, even although they do sing the whole of the year, they're beginning to pick up, um, but that may just be me. Uh, the other song I was pleased to get was, and this is one where we will need to check it out, it's what I think is a Dunnock. Dunnock's song has got a slightly kind of like laser gun quality to it, but then the other bird that, that also has that is a wren, which which also has that kind of electronic feel to it. But the way that somebody described it to me was a Dunnock's like a wren, but in shorter bursts. And that's what I was uh, that's what I think I was hearing. It was pretty impressive anyway. 
but here's hoping I've got that right. Whatever it was, whether it was a Dunnock or a Wren, it was giving it full beans. The kind of pink, pink kind of noise there is, is chaffinches doing their contact call, but there's also a bit of chaffinch song this morning, and they're definitely one of the early ones to sing. onto my mystery bird. Let's see if Scott can help me with. Now, if I had to guess, uh, Luke Wake, who's been on the podcast before, works for us at Loch Lomond, who helped me with the Bird Song Beginner videos. Uh, he once said to me that if you hear a bird and you don't know what it is, it's probably a great tit. Uh, so on that basis I'm going to guess that, but uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see what it is, whatever it is. We obviously, we don't have our summer migrants here yet. We're still waiting on the willow warblers and the chiffchaffs and the black caps and all that stuff. But there is plenty to hear on a February morning in suburban Edinburgh. Appropriately enough, there is a great tit just very faintly in the background now. Right, so how did I do with the bird song stuff, Scott? What's the Ooh, truth? So, so mystery bird at the end there. Yeah. yeah. It's cute. It's lovely. Fluffy. It's adorable. Fluffy, I almost said. It's blue. Oh, it's a blue tit. That was a blue tit. Yeah. Man, it was. It, it was loud. They they can be so loud. You know, and and actually, um, the little bit you played earlier with the, the Dunnock. I think it wasn't a Dunnock. I think it was a Wren. It was yeah, a Wren, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. I wasn't sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you totally said it right. So uh, so that kind of Dunnock doing the same kind of like, you know, the, the, the same kind of sort of a style, but much shorter kind of sort of blast of it. So if you kind of, sort of, kind of always kind of think, if you hear it and you're kind of like listening, like do 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, if it's finished, It'll be done. If it carries on like three, four seconds or so, much more likely to be uh, the wren. I'm learning, and it's one of those things. It's a bit like, um, you know, when you learn a language at school, and you think that you're doing quite well, and then you go <laughs> to the country, and everybody doesn't just come up to you and ask you in order, "What's your name? Where do you live? Uh, do you like going to the swimming pool?" Right? They, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. You know, they just they, they start That's speaking right. to you like a person, right? And they and they'll ask you random things and things you don't recognise. And I think bird songs a bit like that. It's like you feel like you're beginning to get on top of it a little bit, and then and then there are these little plastic things where actually, like rain versus dunnock, where like it's got to do as well with experience and feel and all that kind of it, stuff it, and it's just it takes time to develop that it totally is and I, I mean I, I think one of the, the great things about spring is is learning and reminding yourself on, on those calls mm. like like you, you can be doing it for years but actually going out there having a wander bask in the sunshine listening to it but then confirming you know looking up try and find who's, who's saying and just say yeah I got that you know like so t- test, test yourself 
and a and and you know at this time of year before the migrants and things things a sort of start arriving it's a great time to learn your Kinesic garden yeah learn your local Absolutely. stuff and, and, and you did, were yeah, yeah. What, tell us what you did yeah so i was i was marking stephen's homework so i had to listen Fair to enough. the the uh the the calls uh yesterday after after he'd done the recording and i was sort of listening along and i was agreeing with him and then there was that kind of conversation you had that kind of question about whether it was a dunnock or a wren and i was like I don't actually know what a dunnock sounds like because uh, I hadn't really thought about what they sound like and I was like, it does sound very much like a wren so the, the question was there in my head and then when you brought in the mystery bird I was like, I recognise what that, that sound, sound is because I hear it all the time around where I am and do you know what I did? I had heard about an app that was really good for recognising bird song and I was just like, right, okay, this, this app's called BirdNet there are other apps available, obviously um, but I went and downloaded BirdNet and I sat and listened to the recording that you sent me and I used BirdNet to analyse the song and what's really cool that I had no idea, I've never used it before literally, you press record and then you select which bit you want to look at but it also gives you a visual like a waveform a, yeah, but also when you get a particular song of a bird for example, the blue tit that you were trying to identify you can see it almost like musical notation. So I have a music background, so I'm, I, I kind of have learned to read music. I can't anymore because I've not used it for a while, but you can see the patterns. And what was really helpful there was I can't necessarily visualise just by listening. I need to see something as well. And it's the patterns that I recognise there. And I think one of the important things about that, right, is, is that when you approach something like trying to learn birdsong, mm -hmm. which feels enormous, or like today, like being out with you, Scott, right? And you having to hand all this information, right? As a layperson, it can feel quite intimidating. And it's like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a long road and what's the point of starting out on it? Cause, but these kind of tools, right, so are, are all about chipping away at it and building an understanding in a way that suits you and different people will learn different ways and have different learning styles and that's all fine. One other thing I wanted to talk about just finally about spring is like how spring might mean different things both to different people but also like to other animals, right? Mm. Because spring is a season for us in the sense of just the calendar. There's still a feeling of unclenching <laughs> I think that comes with this definitely, time of year I, I notice definitely on a sunny day today um, it's a bit warmer, I'm not fighting against the wind, my shoulders relax slightly, my jaw unclenches slightly it's just, I think there's a there's a, it's a relief I think and um, I was kind of thinking about this earlier um, and my different experiences of spring in different countries so I did a year abroad in Japan and I didn't hadn't quite fully gotten and like really fully understood the cultural thing around um, Sakura the the cherry blossom is that the blossom season yes the so cherry right? blossom so blossom season is massively important but actually that's not the first thing that happens in the Japanese kind of seasonal calendar it's plum blossom so plum oh. blossom happens just before plum blossoms are much more delicate in my opinion and I love them more because they're really fragrant as well but what you go from is you go from just grey a very very grey winter and it's colder it's a bit windier but it's just very very stable grey there's no kind of it didn't really feel like winter that you get here where you're going to get the or wind like frosty cozy frosty, kind of yes winter. exactly yeah, yeah. quite a different experience 
And then I went to my first plum blossom, ume blossom, plum blossom festival. And I was just absolutely enraptured. This gray landscape had just turned into these beautiful pink, delicate, amazing smell, smell of kind of just oh, warmth and the sunlight was beginning to change. And it was just that relief from the monotony and the, the tension that you build up over being cold over the winter. And I definitely feel it today with the crocuses and the birds singing and, and the, the bumblebees. Bees. And yeah. I was getting there and the bumblebees. <laughs> that feeling of just release of that kind of tension, like you're saying, the unclenching, the, the tension is being released and there's, there's, there's change happening. It's quite tentative. It could be pouring with rain tomorrow and howling a gale, but today's been that kind of beginning of it. So you can kind of feel that transition. And I think when you take that into yourself, you're just like, actually, no, we'll, we'll get through this. It's been cold. It's been tough this winter, I think, for a lot of people, but just those little glimmers of sunlight and that feeling of warmth makes a huge difference it does right good note to end on that was nice that yeah. was really good. um as ever you know do let us know what you think about the podcast if there's things that you want us to cover if there's things that spring mean to you you can get us on twitter at rsbb uh, scotland or you can email us at podcast.scotland at rsbb.org.uk and please do like and subscribe us. It helps other people find us in the podcast jungle. And we'll see you next time. Yeah, so next time I think, if all goes to plan, uh, I'm going to be doing a little bit of a special about the rainforest, about Scotland's rainforest, because I'm going up there to do a bit of filming. Uh, so looking forward to that. But Scott, thank you so much for showing us about. Oh, it was amazing today. Thanks for bringing the sun yeah. and the bumblebees. Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah no, I did, I did, I'm not in control of the weather. But, you know. <laughs> or the bumblebees. Yeah, or the bumblebees. But yeah, yeah, it's been a great day. But anyway... See you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks. Bye.